given the fact that this is just me uh, talking to you, uh, let's let's begin. We're not going to do a lot other than I'd like to just share a message from God's Word with you. Uh, but before we do that, let's uh, go to the Lord together in prayer. If you would, please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for a new day. Thank you that despite the weather, despite the fact that there, there, there are things we can look at in our flesh that would cause us to complain, not being able to gather together, not being able to even, for some of us, go out and drive and do some of the things that we would normally do um, on a Sunday morning or any day because it's uh, not safe for us to do that. But yet we have so much to be thankful for. Uh, you have given us life and you, have, you are uh, sustaining us every moment of every day with every breath. And we thank you for that. And we thank you that uh, you have given us your truth in your word and, and we can look at that and we can be renewed and we pray that by your Holy Spirit uh, you would help me communicate your truth. But let your will and your work be done as, as uh, we look at your word in just a few minutes. We take a moment to pray for people in our church who uh, are, are not feeling well, sick, uh, we think of the Broadways. We pray that you will uh, bring healing to their family, wholeness. Also others uh, within our church who are dealing with sicknesses or um, physical struggles in some way. We pray that you will be very present and, um, and be a comfort and a peace to them, a source of strength in every way. Uh, for those... Um, who are struggling with issues, maybe they're not physical, but they are uh, just challenges of life that maybe are perplexing. Lord, I pray that through your word, you will give light, you will give guidance and hope. Um, and I just pray for us as a church that we will be beacons of hope. We will be beacons of the light of Jesus Christ, the, the only real hope for the world, uh, that no matter what happens, that's what we will be. Uh, that's our. That's just our great privilege, our great responsibility at the same time. So now as we focus on your word, I just pray that uh, you'll have your way. Uh, challenge us, please, where we need to be challenged and bring comfort and reminder. Uh, all that you want to do, we, we want to be open to that. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a friend uh, who, in his younger days, much younger days, I kid you not, he sailed all the way across the entire Pacific Ocean. All the way across the Pacific Ocean. He sailed. Um, and I'm talking about a sailboat, not a very big one either, and not no onboard motor, no gasoline-powered engine, a sail. Uh, and he navigated his way all the way across the Pacific Ocean for weeks and weeks out there in the open water. You know, it boggles my mind because 
I'm asking you, how do you, how do you know where you are? How do you navigate? How do you get to where you're going? How do you not go off course? How do you, how do you keep making the adjustments to, you know, to get to your destination? You know, it's a simple answer. Uh, it's a skill that I do not have, but he quite literally kept looking up. In Matthew's Gospel, um, what we see is this parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Matthew places it amidst uh, a long section of Jesus' teachings, Jesus' sayings, um, concerning the fact that he will be going away, but he will be returning. And essentially he's talking about in in this section in Matthew, what life is supposed to be like for you and for me, for followers of Jesus Christ, in light of the fact that he's gone away and that he's going to be uh, returning sometime soon. So it's Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. Again, Jesus talking in light of his going away, what, king, what the kingdom of God is, is to be like. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. 
In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus wants us to live life in in light of the fact that he is going to be returning. And and this parable that he told, it's, it's kind of an illustration of what life is to be like for us as we keep looking up. And it talks about money, it talks about resources and, and how we are to use those in light of who Jesus is and as we continue to look up. So there's just three truths here that I want to point out that will help us as we continue to look up and uh, use then and, and, and be who the Lord wants us to be as we journey through life uh, in light of his soon coming. So first of all, we're, we're talking about being a faithful steward, really, uh, of the things that God gives us. And yes, uh, in, in the Bible times, a talent was a very large sum of money. And so the money here, certainly we're talking about money as resources, but you know we're talking about other things as well, money being one aspect of, of what we possess. But we also possess our time, our, our experience, what lies right in front of us, the choices that we make. All of these are all-encompassing. So, first truth to help us. You know, a faithful steward knows that God expects him or her to use what God gives us for God's purpose. As we continue to go through life, we need to be reminded of this truth. God expects us to use what he's given to us. In that parable, the third servant, the one that received just one talent, he did not use what the master gave him. You say, well, yes, he did. He, he buried it. No, that was not what was expected. <laughs> um, that, that servant took the talent, he kept it, and he buried it. He didn't use it. The master expected the servant to, to do something with what he had been given. The master expected the servant to, to put it to work in some form or fashion, uh, not to just save it. So in verse 27, it says that, you know, the master says to this third servant, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Um, at least you should have done that, he said, a, a sort of minimal work. But he didn't even do that. Investing um, the money that he had been given with the bankers would have been really very little work for that servant to do, but he didn't even do that. In contrast, however, the first two servants, they immediately went to work with what they'd been assigned as it shows in verses 16 and 17. Um, we're not given details. This is a parable, but they, they put it to use in some way. The point is the master expected a profit, some sort of gain from his money. He, he didn't give his money just for safekeeping. If, if he had wanted that, he would have just put it in the bank, but he gave it to be used knowing that his servants could, in fact, do something with it. So, he expects us 
to do something with what God has given us. It's, it's like a, you know, you're in school and a teacher gives you an assignment, uh, maybe a, a, a worksheet or something that you have to complete. And that, what does the teacher expect? The teacher expects that you're going to do something with that assignment. The teacher expects that you're going to complete the assignment. But what if you come to class or submit it online like we do nowadays and, and it's blank? You haven't done anything with what you were given. That's like what the third servant did. So God wants us to use what he's given us. Yes, we can talk a little bit specifically about money or finances because that's part of this. You know, hammer down a little bit here. We Christians, we think that we're doing so well. We think that we're really super spiritual if we give a tithe of our money. If we give 10% of our income to the work of the church or the work of the Lord in some way. Um, yeah, that's a great biblical principle that we should be doing. And to digress a little bit, it's actually shocking. The number of statistics show that the number of people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ who don't give anything near their tithe is very high. Um, so we as the people of God, you know, we, we don't even do very well getting the tithe. But back to my point, we, we think we're doing really well if we give a tithe. But let me ask you, the tithe is 10%. What about the 90%? What about the rest of it? You see, the, this parable is all about, is it's not about tithing. It's about God expecting us to use the 90% and, and the 10% to make a gain for his kingdom. He wants all of our life to make a gain for his kingdom. Again, the point, God expects us to use everything. So, as a faithful steward, in light of Christ's second coming, be reminded, keep looking up with the truth that God expects you to use what you've been given for his kingdom. That's the orientation he wants us to have. The second truth about being a faithful steward in light of God's kingdom is that God is the owner of the money. God is the owner of all the resources that we have in the world. It, in this parable, there are eight talents given out. Now, who was the owner of the eight talents? Well, it's not the servants. The master is the owner, and he gives those talents to the servants. That's the idea of stewardship again. The faithful steward, in light of Christ's second coming, never forgets that all he has, including money and anything else, all of it has been entrusted to him by God himself. God has entrusted that. We might wonder, why would God ever entrust things to us? We're not in a position to question that. He does. There are a host of Bible passages um, that refer to the fact that, that God is the owner of all things. I have a list in front of me of ten passages just from the Old Testament. But we'll take one, uh, Psalm 24, verse 1, uh, that says, 
the earth is the Lord's and everything belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything that dwells therein. God is the owner of all things. So never forget that God is the owner of all that you possess. Because God will hold us accountable for what he's, what he's given to us. That's again the message of the parable. We as stewards are accountable to the master. Because we're dealing with and the stuff of life for us actually belongs to God. In the parable... Matthew 25, the master came and settled accounts with the servants. Let's not overlook that. He's coming and he has expectations when, when he comes. Now, this isn't, this isn't harsh. This isn't cruel. This isn't some terrible thing. It's the natural right of the owner to get an account of, of his things, to get an account of what's been done with his property. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this in any way. Um, you know, if you think back to the, the, your, your school assignment, given your worksheet, if the natural expectation for the, for the teacher is that the teacher is going to want to see what you've done with the assignment. That's what a good teacher does. Hold you accountable for things. That's not cruel. That's not unfair. That's not unloving. That's what a good teacher, actually, that's what a loving teacher does. In fact, the teacher would be unloving if he didn't check the work because then he'd say, well, I don't really care. So a faithful steward, in light of Jesus' second coming, first of all, remembers that God expects us to use what he's given us for a gain for his kingdom. And secondly, he, he or she knows that God owns everything that, that he or she has, that, that you have. There's a commitment and a remembrance. And that, as you look up during life, you remember that actually everything I have comes from God. And he's the owner of that. So there's one final truth in here to point out. Faithful stewardship, in light of Jesus coming, as we look up, faithful stewardship does not depend on how much we've been given. I think you catch that in the parable as well. It doesn't depend on how much we are given, the quantity. You know, the owner, the master, distributed the talents unevenly. To one he gave five, to another he gave two, to another he gave one. Yes, a talent was a very large unit of money, as I've already said. Um, And it says in verse 15 that he gave those large quantities of money out unevenly in verse 15 to each according to his ability so the master knows best and he gave differing amounts to the differing servants the amount of money was different but here's the point the master's expectation was the same for each one of them the amount of money was different but all were expected to make a profit with the master's money. The expectation was the same. All were expected to do something with it. So this seems to me to be a word against us making 
comparisons with one another. We do that all too often. Boy, you know, he or she has has so much. Um, and, and we can go off in all kinds of wrong directions making comparisons. Remember, God is the owner. God is the master. He has the right to entrust his property, if we want to look at it in terms of the parable. He has the right to entrust his resources however he chooses to do that. Um, we have no right to complain. We have no right to really compare or to question God. Um, that moves us off focus from what we're supposed to be doing. In addition, a small amount does not excuse you from being a faithful steward. I imagine almost all of us who are thinking about this or looking at this uh, devotional, we're probably tempted to think, well, I have so little. Um, we probably actually have a lot more than what we realize, but it doesn't matter. If you think you have a little, that's no excuse for not being faithful in stewardship. It's really a dangerous attitude to come with, well, you know, it doesn't matter what I do with my money or my time or what I've been given. It doesn't really matter because I have so little of it. It's not going to make any difference anyway. That completely flies in the face of what Jesus is teaching in this parable. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes whether maybe you're a student and you have very little income or any number of things, you say, oh, you know, I can't give a tithe. I have so little. Or I can't give to God. Apply the message of this parable to you. It does matter. You are called to be a faithful steward right now with all the things, the resources that God has given to you. God expects the same from all of his servants. That we use what we have to, for a profit for his kingdom. Just to... To bring in uh, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, uh, verses 10 to 13, where Jesus adds uh, something to this teaching. He says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will, e for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's a reminder, who are we serving? If we serve God, then everything that we have is to be given for his service. As we are called to be faithful stewards, be reminded of these three truths that, G, that just, just know that God expects us to use what he's given us for his kingdom. And remember that he is the owner of all things. And remember that faithful stewardship does not, it's just not based on how much you've been given. These three truths keep looking up with these three truths as you go through life and as you navigate your life in light of Jesus' second coming and his glorious uh, return. Let's just take a moment uh, to pray and uh, we'll be done, done then.
Heavenly Father, you've challenged us with this parable through your son Jesus, as recorded in Matthew. Help us be good stewards. We can't do that on our own. We need your Holy Spirit to guide us. It comes down to the little choices we make every day. We recognize that, O Lord, and we ask that you would fill each of us with your Spirit, that our choices would be guided and directed by you, and that you will keep us looking up toward you, that our lives truly would reflect those people who are eagerly looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, and I just pray for for those that are uh, listening right now and viewing, that you will encourage each one, um, deepen their walk with you. If they don't know you as a, as Lord and Savior, may they they come to understand that Jesus, you sent Jesus, your Son, because of your great love, to take their sins upon them and upon Himself, and to pay that penalty, and 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 that. Life is given in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be together. May you bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen.